Hi, you're listening to the Sermon Recording Podcast of Awaken Church. Awaken is a church of missional communities whose vision is to see individuals experience healing through the gospel, be raised to their fullest potential among community, and sent out to live a life on mission. You can find out more online at awakenvb.com. And if you live in Hampton Roads, we invite you to check out our worship gathering in the Haygood area of Virginia Beach, Saturday evenings at 5 p.m. Thank you for listening. Hey guys, I'm glad to be back with you all again. Uh, It is officially fall, which means it is now flannel and hoodie weather, which is, you know, one of my favorite times of year. Football is back, and so I just, I uh, salted caramel mochas are back at Starbucks. Fall is probably my favorite season. I'm really excited about it. Um, So I'm feeling good. I'm in a a good mood this week, and I'm excited to be able to go over this this last week of our Would You Be My Neighbor series with you guys, this last week focusing on um, hospitality, what biblical hospitality looks like, and how to practice it in such a way that it becomes radically ordinary, as as Philip challenged us uh, to start off the series. And uh, so I'm going to dive right in because I don't want to there's a lot I want to tackle, and I, I want to don't want to have to rush too much. So to to start off with, there's something I want to I want to kind of bring back around before I dive into the meat of what I want to talk about this weekend, and that is this idea of apologetics. And I know I talked about this recently, but in case you missed that video, I don't recall if it was a um, a message like this one, or if it was one of our, our, uh, weekly devotional videos, or it might've just been within my own missional community. And this is, this is something you guys are hearing new and it's not something that you've heard recently, but uh, I talked about this field of apologetics. And if you're not somebody who has grown up in the, in the Christian faith or spent a lot of time, you may not be familiar with what this is, but there's a, a, a field within the study of Christianity called apologetics. And what apologetics is, it's a field of, um, a, a reasoned defense of the faith of Christianity. In other words, it is uh, sets out to prove that belief in Christianity is reasonable and not unreasonable. And the way that the field of apologetics in general sets out to do this is through logic, through discourse, through evidence, through argument, through debate, um, trying to create better rational arguments than those that are opposed to Christianity, right? And when I spoke about this, I, I mentioned that I, I used to be just all about apologetics. I was, and if I'm being fair, sometimes still am, an argumentative individual. And so this idea of being able to defend Christianity through logic and argument and debate was really appealing to me. Maybe gave like a divine little uh, uh, blessing to my natural disposition to be argumentative and and wanting to be right all the time. And so there was maybe not the most spiritual uh, pleasure that I derived out of that. However, as I've uh, grown and, and matured in my faith, uh, I'm much less excited about this field of apologetics. And, and instead, by comparison, uh, I want to uh, draw uh, what I feel is really relevant to the series that we're talking about, this idea of hospitality, uh, is rather than uh, apologetics uh, through argument, through debate, um, through evidence, um, is this idea of a community apologetic, right? Rather than uh, rather than convincing through evidence or through persuasive uh, discourse that people 
come to know Christianity and come to believe that Christianity is real, not by being argued there or reasoned there, but through experiencing it through a community, uh, a transformative community that's living out the kingdom of God in the world today. And so it's rather than being convinced intellectually, it's being convinced experientially by coming into contact with a community of faith that lives out the principles that Jesus taught, uh, that cares for one another, that wants to serve those in the world that Jesus called us to serve and to defend and to care for. And in doing so, they experience the kingdom of God by um, and the, the spirit of God by being a part of a community that does that. And I think that's really uh, lays the groundwork for what we're talking about in this series, that hospitality is something that we each should practice individually uh, as, as individuals and as families. But more, more significantly, we want to, as a church and as missional communities, to become spaces of radical welcome, uh, uh, incredibly radically hospitable communities that invite others in to experience that, um, that community apologetic, that they come to believe in that Jesus was who he said he was because of their experience with a community who is living out his principles. Um, and, and I, I want to uh, go for a scripture, I want to look at John chapter 17, uh, because I think we see in scripture that this is, uh, the, the way that Jesus charged us to, to live as, as the church. And so John chapter 17, if you're not familiar with it, it's the longest recorded prayer of Jesus that we have in the gospels. And, uh, he starts off praying, uh, for himself and then he transitions to praying for his disciples. Uh, and then he finishes that prayer by praying for the church that was to come, um, and that's where I want to pick up. So we're going to be uh, John 17, uh, verses 20 through 23. And so this is, this is what it says. This is Jesus praying. In verse 20, he says, My prayer is not for them alone, referring to his disciples. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me. May they be brought to complete unity to let the world know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. If we read through that, Jesus prays that the world would believe that he was who he said he was, that Jesus, they would believe Jesus was who he claimed to be because of the church because of both our unity with one another uh, and also how we resent, uh, how we represent him uh, to the world around us, how he is in us as, as he prayed. And so I believe that this is, this is where that community apologetic comes from, that if we live uh, in unity and we represent Christ and his teachings, that people will come to believe that he was who he claimed to be by interacting with transformative communities of faith. And so I think that should be our goal as missional communities is to embody those transformative communities of faith. How do we become uh, communities that are radically hospitable in such a way that people can experience the spirit of God and the kingdom of God as they interact with our communities? Well, there's a, a researcher uh, named Elizabeth Terman Bryant, um, 
and she did a research project a few years ago uh, tackling this idea of radical hospitality and what does it look like for ordinary churches uh, to to live it out, to practice it. This Again, this hospitality, as I talked about a, a few weeks ago, this uh, philozinia, this love of the other, love of the outsider or the foreigner. How do we love those that are outside of our community as well? And so she sought out, uh, she went all across North America researching churches that did this particularly well in order to uh, come up with uh, seven common themes or seven common signs of radically hospitable churches. And I would, I think we're going to use this again. I think you're going to hear me talk about it again. I would love to go through all seven, uh, but I, I don't really have the, the time or, or the ability to do that in this format. So I'm just going to kind of double click on three of the seven. I am going to attach uh, her video to this video uh, in the, the description, the video description. You'll be able to click so you can see all seven and hear a little more about her story. But there were three that jumped out at me that I wanted to kind of uh, spend a, um, the rest of our time talking about today. One of those seven signs that all of the churches that she researched that uh, practiced radical hospitality well was that welcoming congregations eat together. This was a, a common sign that she saw throughout churches that practice hospitality really, really well. Um, and so it's no uh, mystery. It is entirely by design that most of our missional community gatherings are intended to take place around a meal. It's harder to do now because many of our MCs are still uh, meeting over virtual, over Zoom or other video chat. Um, so it's a little bit harder. You know, you can see people eating. It's not the same thing as breaking bread with them around a table. But I talked earlier in this series about how tables uh, break down our defenses and they draw people together in, in this, this welcoming posture. Um, and this is something we see all through the Gospels. This is uh, not a comprehensive list, but just in the Gospel of Luke alone, uh, I pulled several different instances uh, where Jesus practiced uh, eating together, practiced ministry around tables. And so uh, I'm going to rapid fire these. Uh, in Luke chapter 5, uh, we have Jesus calls Matthew, who will be one of his disciples, and then he goes to Matthew's house and they have dinner. Matthew throws a, a huge meal. Uh, and in, in that chapter, we're going to touch touch uh, back on this in just a minute is where the, the Pharisees look and say he eats with tax collectors and sinners because Matthew was a tax collector. And so when he threw a big dinner party, guess who his friends were, right? The tax collectors and the sinners came to eat and Jesus went and he ate with them and Matthew became his disciple and followed him afterwards. Um, in Luke chapters, both chapter 11 and chapter 14, we read two different accounts of Jesus sitting down at the table with a Pharisee who were the religious uh, elite of that time and who constantly, uh, Rub, rubbed against Jesus. They rubbed against each other like sandpaper abrasively. And so this is Jesus dining in the presence of an enemy effectively. Um, and, but sitting down around a table and having a community with them and, 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 and being present with them, even those that, um, disagreed uh, with who he was and what he was teaching. Uh, in Luke chapter 19, we see Jesus uh, having dinner with another tax collector with Zacchaeus, um, uh, who goes to his house for a meal. And by the end, Zacchaeus is repenting of his past behavior and, and trying to uh, make restitution with that, what he had stolen uh, and give back to the poor, what he had exploited from them. Uh, in Luke chapter 22, we have the last supper uh, where Jesus knows he's about to go to his uh, crucifixion and, and shares a last meal with his disciples. That was how he chose to use some of those last hours that he had was around a table sharing a Passover meal together. Uh, after post-resurrection, we have a couple uh, appearances of Jesus in, in Luke, Luke, twice in Luke chapter 24. Uh, first, he appears to two men uh, walking 
uh, down the road uh, who were discussing the crucifixion and what had happened and who Jesus was. And he appears to them. And once uh, they, they kind of have a discussion about it and he goes, they invite him to sit and eat with them. And it's when he breaks bread with them that they recognize uh, who he was, that they were in his presence. Uh, later in that same chapter, Jesus appears to his disciples. Um, and in order to to show them who he was, he chooses to sit and have a meal with them and, and eat with them. And so we see Jesus consistently doing ministry around tables, giving encouragement to the disciples, uh, doing uh, teaching over scripture, um, befriending enemies. We see all this happening in Jesus's life around tables. This isn't even a comprehensive list. This was just a, a quick, a quick cursory view through Luke. Uh, so that is one of the first things that radically welcoming communities uh, that our missional communities should aspire to be is that they eat together and they invite people to exist and to break down their defenses around tables. Um, Another is that welcoming communities, radically hospital com communities, are ecumenically minded. And I understand that may be a word that you you may not be familiar with, but ecumenical, it's this idea of um, doing ministry across uh, church and denominational lines. It's about unity among the big C church, right? It's about uh, being willing to work with other churches, uh, being willing to work with other denominations to see the kingdom of God built rather than the the, that individual church uh, try to take all the glory. Um, Awaken, for better or worse, honestly, uh, probably sometimes to our detriment, I think has been uh, uh, good about this, about um, not trying to build our own brand, about wanting to uh, serve the community rather than be seen serving the community, if that makes sense. Um, so that we would be about building the kingdom of God and not the kingdom of awaken. And I think our missional communities want to do the same things. Uh, one of our missional communities, I know there's a, a church in their neighborhood and, and the leader of that MC has actually gone out and met with that church to say, Hey, how can we partner uh, to do some things here right locally in our neighborhood uh, to see the kingdom of God grow and to see um, this, this community transformed as a result. Uh, in Mark chapter nine, the disciples see uh, somebody casting out demons in Jesus's name and they rebuke him. They, they, they tell him to stop because he, they weren't one of the disciples and the disciples go back to Jesus all proud. And they're like, Hey, we saw these guys casting out demons, but they weren't one of us. So, you know, we told him to, to knock it off. And, and Jesus says, uh, no, whoever is not against us is for us. The disciples were more concerned about their brand rather than what's going on in the kingdom at large. And so our missional community should seek to partner with uh, other organizations in, in, in our area and to not be about building their own brand, but about building the kingdom um, in, in the communities that they serve. And so uh, that's the second mark that I wanted to touch on. And, and finally, this uh, uh, we'll end with this. The third um, or the third theme, the third trait of radically hospitable communities that I wanted to highlight uh, is that welcoming communities, they cultivate what uh, Elizabeth calls a space of grace. And this applies to a few different things, but what, what I want us to take from this is that we want our missional communities to be places that are just overflowing with the grace of God. Um, I talked about in Luke 5 and in Luke 19, Jesus having meals with tax collectors, Matthew first, and then Zacchaeus. And he is criticized by the religious leaders and the religious elite of his day uh, for eating and drinking 
uh, with tax collectors and sinners who were seen to just be deplorable, who were seen uh, to be unclean, that they sh- uh, that the if uh, a true upstanding person of character would not be associating with those people. And Jesus was willing to push up against that judgmental attitude in his life to be with the people that he knew he was sent to. Um, uh, I think we need to have that same attitude. If we are truly living out the mission of God, if we are truly being Jesus, being like Jesus with the kind of people that Jesus would have been with, uh, then our missional communities are going to brush up against, um, let's say people with rough edges. Right. (laughs) And, uh, I think that, uh, we need to be communities that are overflowing with grace, that these people with rough edges are given uh, grace and are given room and are given time uh, to grow and to mature. Um, and the funny thing is when you give grace for a person with rough edges uh, to grow and mature, not only are they able to mature, but you are actually matured in that process to be closer to the character of Christ who gives grace uh, to all those who, who need it. And so um, I think we want to make sure that our missional communities are, are just overflowing, that they are, uh, can be referred to as a space of grace uh, for those who may come that are still um, searching, that are still confused, maybe that have doubts, maybe that have um, uh, habits or lifestyles that, that may not... Um, reflect what we would want uh, our lives to reflect. But I think that we need to take um, a beat from Jesus and what we see from him in the gospels that to be willing to resist those attitudes of judgment or others that may have judgmental attitudes to be like Jesus with the people that Jesus would have been with. Um, And so those are the three uh, kind of just three of the seven that she, that she highlights uh, that welcoming uh, congregations, radically hospitable communities, they eat together uh, they are ecumenically minded, which means they're about building the kingdom of God rather than their individual uh, kingdoms, um, and that they cultivate spaces of grace uh, for those who need it. Uh, the This is just to kind of start a conversation. I'm, again, I'm going to attach the uh, video in the description so you can go see the, the whole story and all seven traits if you want to. But the questions that I kind of want this to launch into discussion around As always, we have three questions. The first one uh, is a head question, is what is the connection between a community apologetic and mission? Again, I talked about what that community apologetic means, people being uh, convinced uh, of Christianity or being compelled by Christianity, not through um, reasoned arguments, but through um, experiencing a transformative community. So what is that connection between a community apologetic and mission. That's question number one. Question number two, we turn uh, inward, we reflect on what the Spirit is revealing to us. So uh, question number two is is very simple. Um, How does your missional community do with these three things? The three things I I, I just went over, um, uh, eating together, sharing tables, Um, being ecumenically minded, being about building the kingdom rather than your personal kingdom, uh, and cultivating a space of grace for those who need it. Um, How does your missional community do with those three things? And finally, last question, uh, what is something your missional community can do this month to take a step forward in one of these areas? 
I feel like sometimes we discuss these things and we we take them in intellectually and maybe we even reflect on them. But uh, if we're not putting them into practice and seeing things change, uh, we're not actually growing. We're not actually maturing. We're not actually putting these uh, in, into practice in our lives. So what is uh, just to put an accountability step on it? What is something your missional community can do this month to take a step forward in one of these areas? Thank you guys. It was uh, it was fun to do this series. I really think we touched on some good things. If you missed a week or two, definitely go back and look because I feel like uh, all those who were teaching really brought uh, some really uh, integral parts of the conversation uh, that really, really lended to what uh, God was doing through these series. So I'm excited to start a new one uh, with you guys next week. I look forward to seeing you guys in missional communities uh, and hopefully in person for gathering very soon. God bless.